Hey everyone, and welcome to the Unification Project, a social experiment where we take the average person and get their thoughts on various topics, remove the shackles of social and mass media influence, and learn how people really think. Today, the three of us will be diving into preppers. Are they crazy or onto something? My name is Dustin, one of three hosts, and I'd like to introduce Sean. Anthony, how y'all doing? Doing pretty good, I'm pretty good. Um, I am not crazy. Yep. Oh, all right. Great opener, Anthony. I think he's crazy, but it's not because he's a prepper. I'm going to go ahead and say that. What's right. going on? All right. Well, since we're on the crazy uh, talk, um, John, I'm sorry. I have to agree with Anthony. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, uh, what you guys don't want to hear about my theory about how the world is flat. Oh God, no. <laughs> All right, that, we got that, is, about that, that is a different episode. Um, I need to find some people that actually <laughs> subscribe to that theory because I really have questions. Hey, I really hey, want somebody to answer. That's going to be an amazing oh, conversation. <laughs> Just want y'all to know. Um, but at least as far as conversations for today, preppers. So, Sean, you are without a doubt, and I'm, uh, I'll am i happily uh, say the most experienced as far as this goes, as far as the three of us here um, are concerned. So I'd love you to take it off, man. Um. Well, really, I'd like to dive into what it means to me and answer any questions that you guys might have that might alleviate some concerns. Um, there's a lot of stigma around the pretty much the I, I don't even consider it. I know that the these subtopics is what we are considering culture or lifestyle in our genre set. But prepping is doesn't really feel like a culture thing. It just feels like a common sense thing. It's just something that I do. I treat it like a hobby, but it's not a hobby, honestly. And I think that keeps me grounded more so from other people who get a little crazy with it. Um, there's a lot of negative stigma about it. Uh, people uh, call us crazy or paranoid or uh, tinfoil hats, shit like that. And don't get me wrong, I do know of a few people in this preparedness community um, that I question their mental capacity for legitimate world events, but that doesn't really discredit that preparing for whatever is something that in a lot of senses and a lot of situations makes really good sense. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I can definitely uh, say I agree with you a lot on a lot of the points that you just said. Uh, I, so I've gone in and out of the preparedness community. I am more in, in these days. Um, but like you said, it does border onto a point of just whether that's, it's common sense or it's just trying to be a, a little smart just in case something happens. Um, those same, uh, those same reasons is why I have moved more in, especially the last couple of years. Now, Sean, I've, I grew up with you. I've known you most of my life. And I've known you from the start of your preparedness journey, and I mean, I've obviously known you since. And so I've seen like that evolution with you, and I also know a little bit about the experiences that you shared on some people who maybe are the people. Whenever they have that negative stigma, that those are the individuals they're thinking about. Uh, but when it comes to these days, though, I'm sure that negative stigma still exists. Uh, I'm not sure how strong it is these days. I'm sure you can elaborate, Sean, on on how strong that might be. But uh, I definitely feel it's maybe a little bit more accepted now, or maybe people think about it maybe a little bit more, at least on a very small scale, not anything huge. I know I definitely I do on just having some simple supplies or at least some simple knowledge um, well, in case something does happen. People don't look at me crazy when I say I have a lot of food and other like random cleaning supplies and other stuff like 
stored in bulk anymore. Mm-hmm. I guess that's probably because for a period of a few months, nobody could buy toilet paper. But I had toilet paper. Nobody else did, though. And we're talking, like, you're saying the period of a few months. We're talking the beginning of 2020 during that, that time. The supply chain shut down and nobody yeah. could wipe their ass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and people who who were thinking about it ahead of time, I still remember the big case to where that one guy who bought up so much, it was toilet paper and hand sanitizer, I believe, were the two main things, and he was then uh, due to a federal order uh, and possible criminal charges, uh, forced to relieve most of those supplies uh, because I can't remember how much he had bought up, but it was it was basically like an entire house worth. Of those yeah, supplies, when, like when physical you're, when you're space, wasn't in the hundreds of thousands? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a lot, and obviously he was selling them at a crazy rate. Um, which when, I mean, he sold a lot of it before he was, you know, before it was. Uh, uh, he was forced to give it up. Yeah, when you're under a state of emergency, um, there are restrictions into acquisition of resources, mm-hmm. and he clearly exceeded all acceptable parameters. Of Absolutely acceptable acquisition of personal resources, <laughs> and so, um, sorry, Sean. No, no, you're good. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, I was just gonna say. So when you were talking, when you brought up the, like the toilet paper example, one, I think it's easy that most of us. I mean, if you're alive today, you definitely were uh, very much aware of that period. Um, so would you say in the last toilet paper crisis? Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. But would, so would you say over the last two years? So just a just a, a small two year span in the grand scheme of things. That the that the the view of the of being prepared um, has shifted. Uh, how much of a margin would you say is it a significant shift, or do you think it's just made it a little bit more acceptable? How much do you think this has had this effect? Well, how strong it's been. Well, first and foremost, it's important to note that about ninety percent of statistics are made up on the spot. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give you what I guess to be a percentage of the population. I assume prior to covid probably a very small percentage of the population um does what i would consider prepping probably about 10 to 15 percent now people that do prepping in the sense of what brought people's attention to prepping which was the tv show doomsday preppers Mm -hmm. brought a lot of attention to the community um those people probably make up like 1% of the preparedness community, if we're being completely honest. It probably doesn't even make up an entire percent, honestly, but I'm just going to give them benefit of the doubt. Um, those are people that have a lot of money, who have a lot of time, and yeah, most people just do what would be considered homesteading or survivalism. People just try to live simpler lives, grow their own food, raise their own wallet, uh, livestock, you know, do things for themselves solar panels to pull their ele- their home's electrical needs off of the standard grid, things like that. Um, I feel like the situations that happened in 2020, late 2019, excuse me, being COVID and the supply chain issues that have followed, then continue to fast forward a little bit, and you have pretty much the majority of the major economies of the world in a situation right now where they're highly unstable and the future of a lot of these quote-unquote first world nations economies are in question then on top of those two things you have a whole cavalcade of civil disorder civil unrest situations that have arisen from the lockdowns and things like that not only the george floyd and black lives matter protesters 
you have the insurrection at the Capitol, you have um, threats towards major government officials, you have heightened military tension across the world, North Korea doing what they do, launching nukes, uh, testing missiles, things like that. You've got Iran um, refining uranium and other nuclear materials to a weapons-grade percentage, which America is not very happy about, and they're probably going to have some kind of military action to prevent that from fully happening. Then you've got the China and Taiwan situation, and who could forget the current military operation that Russia has sought to take over Ukraine? Yeah, so basically a lot of disorder. You throw all of these things into one situation, and the future looks so uncertain. You know, a lot of these major foreign nations are resource exporters. China uh, exports a good majority of medicine, as well as probably almost everything in front of anyone who is listening to this podcast currently. If you just look around in front of you, you probably see at least half the things are made in China. So... So Sorry, we said so at the same time. Well, I just wanted to, to, to briefly jump in just with a caveat. Um, where In this podcast, we're not trying to fear monger, warmonger, nothing. It's just to paint the picture of the disorder that's there. And to also on a more grounded aspect, I think we can all, uh, from our daily lives, whether it's uh, just the, the price increases that we notice. the and I know groceries is probably the, the one thing that all three of us could definitely talk about. Sean, you own a restaurant. Mm. Uh, you see food cost increase on a different level than me and Anthony would. I see it because I run a different type of industry uh, business. I see it on a certain ingredient level, um, and I've had to prepare for for those things. And Anthony, with with you being uh, a parent, and just uh, I imagine you see it on a few different levels. Uh, so I think okay. we can definitely um, all agree on that level of disorder that little bit of uncertainty and and in that uncertainty and the word uncertain probably being the best word to use here uh, which is why we're talking about the preparedness community today uh, especially since sean you're very well versed in it i'm um definitely uh into it to a degree um and anthony if i remember correctly from our past conversations uh out of the three of us you would be the one um uh the least not, yeah, least. <laughs> yes <laughs> Like yeah. like I am in a lot of other aspects of life. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty unprepared when it comes to preparedness. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't meaning a fear monger. It's just those are all things that no, I've no, heard no. people as their excuse to start prepping or things that they're concerned about that don't really mentally affect me the same way because I've already started preparing. Mm-hmm. I have food storage. I have medical st- uh, storage. So one of the big things right now is that people are worried about a lot of over-the-counter medications and things going uh, off the shelves because we get mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff from China or India is the other major medical producer in the world and a couple of the other smaller Asian nations. Well, I don't really worry about that because I have a small stockpile of like, you know, your standard over the counter medications, things like that. Just little common sense stuff that nothing to go outrageous. So, uh, Sean, just real quick to touch on that. So for those who are not, uh, that knowledgeable on um, pharmaceuticals in particular. So uh, I've been in pharmacy for about uh, 11 years. Uh, I currently still, it's one of my jobs, I currently still work at a pharmacy, and we place orders every single day. We see how hard it has become to get several things. That Some of the stuff, yeah, I was about to say whether it's some form of antibiotics, um, 
some form of, of controlled, uh, highly controlled substances. Um, but honestly, it's, uh, as you touched on it, Sean, a lot of the over-the-counter, uh, just whether it's, it's medicine or just supplies, it is, uh, it's, it's a little worrisome because we genuinely going through our main suppliers, which I know for a fact every pharmacy around us use, um, I can't speak to being in the Midwest. I can't speak to uh, being, you know, obviously further west than that or or, high, or very far up north. But as far as what I know for a fact we use down here, uh, it is it, shockingly difficult to get a hold of certain things, and we have to make concessions a lot. Um, and we have to go to the other pharmacies now a lot and pray that they they happen to buy enough of this one thing to where now we can have just a couple to get people by. So I see that on a daily basis, and it has only become uh, more and more difficult over the last few months to to get certain things. So yeah. So yeah, the mentality that is crazy that pharmacies pharmacies are having to borrow stuff. Oh yeah, so every day. Mid till, till every, I get on my feet. Every day we place we we call someone to borrow something. Every single just day. imagine. Pharmacies are the old 1950s neighborhoods. Go over and ask Susan for a cup of sugar for my cake. Hey, I mean, yeah, I mean, and it's and what's crazy is again, it's the things that we years ago never. I mean, aside, well, I say years ago. To be honest, we've had at least a form of this issue really since the pandemic. So I'm going to go to 2019 or 18. Those two years, like I mean, these things, it wasn't even a question. Can we get that? Yeah, obviously, we can get a hundred. Hey, we're, we're we're fine. It was never a concern. It was never an issue. Now we have to be really careful because we can maybe get two from here, but then we can need to go through another supplier to get the same thing. We can get three from them, uh, maybe. And then sometimes you, we, we, uh, we get to work the next day, and it's like, hey, sorry, the five things you wanted, we actually only had one. Here's one. Um, yeah. And then we got to call around. It's like, hey, we need this. So, yeah, I mean, it's... That reminds uh, me of the Marine Corps supply chain. When I was working on aircraft, it gets mm -hmm. to the point where it's like, oh, well, let's go to this other squadron and beg them to see if we can get mm -hmm. this connecting rod for this jet. Man, yeah. So it's. I mean, the uh, the effects are are, def are definitely there. They're being felt. So definitely a good time to talk about it. Yeah. Um. Really, a lot of those things are just some of the main key points. I mean, the world events and civil unrest, things like that, economic collapse, are what motivate me to prepare. Um. Any type of severe like social situation like that. You know, you don't want to leave your house. You don't. You want to be out. You know, other than going to work, and you want to spend as little time, you know, going grocery shopping, whatever is possible. If you go to the store, and like I'm sure a bunch of people are familiar with, the grocery stores have been a little bare bones here mm -hmm. and there lately. You know, it's nice to not have to worry about if I go to the store. It's like, oh well, they don't have any canned vegetables. It's okay. I got some at the house. You know, on yeah. back. So I take it more like a hobby and more like sensible and calmly than some people do um almost everybody that i know directly is pretty responsible and reasonable with it i've met a person or two that's a little outlandish but for the most part we're pretty grounded and people uh people see the the very far end of the spectrum the tinfoil hat guys and they're like uh, i don't know man that one guy over there is talking about asteroids hitting the planet and everybody being vaporized and blah 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 and like that's not that's not really eh, i don't like that guy either sorry i've seen a lot of people who were uh preppers and when it came down to prepping 
their big answer to everything was guns. It's like yeah. they had, you know, heaps of guns, heaps of ammunition, and, you know, no food. So in my head, I'm like, you know what? They're going to rob somebody. If anything goes wrong, they're going to be prepared to go out, you know, steal stuff and hold up. Yep. Yeah. But I've also seen where they've stockpiled guns and other supplies. But I guess because they were gun enthusiasts, the guns were their first priority. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to say that I didn't acquire quite a few firearms and mm-hmm. ammunition. <laughs> um, but some of those, uh, some of us in the preparedness community that are aware of those people, um, consider them scavenge or predator preppers, where their goal is to arm up and then take from people who have other stockpiles or take what they need rather than prepare adequately by learning re- learning skills like growing your own food or you know tending to livestock you know mm-hmm. things like that or stockpiling monetarily with canned goods or long-term food storage well and uh, to touch on i mean just to go on about food again i think it's the one thing all three of us have definitely felt and every anyone who's listening i imagine you also uh felt that to a degree but like a good example would be my family so we we live a little bit outside uh, of a small city, uh, and we now take advantage of the fact that several of the family members have learned to grow certain things. So like eggs, for example, I haven't had to buy eggs at a supermarket for a while now because we share, because we, uh, we have two family members in particular who just have endless <laughs> stockpiles of eggs, uh, they, uh, and they're very generous. Um, and we just take a carton to them, uh, gets filled up. Um, we do what we need to, to make sure the, to make sure the eggs are good and, uh, and just do the washing and cleaning, whatever's needed and boom, uh, we don't have to go to the store and buy eggs. And the same thing goes with when my grandmother was alive, she did the same thing for the entire family when it came to fresh produce. She had a lovely garden it was, and, uh, it was big enough to supply the entire family. She did every single year. And again, that wasn't necessarily in the, for preparedness. She just happened to just love to grow um, and spend a lot of time outside. And it just so happens that she just was very good at it, and we always had fresh produce. Um, well, that which ties into. Sorry. No, no, no. I just, I just oh. know. I just know that uh, you know, with produce prices, I just know that in particular just kind of st- st- stuck to my core. Prices and uh, quality, yeah. Pri- mm-hmm. Prices are def- up, quality's down. I definitely like to piggyback on that because. Uh, I remember telling you guys before that my dad is a farmer and, you know, he has five acres in Statesboro and he has so many vegetables that people come by and offer to buy it. You know, he has family members that come by, picks it up. I have an uncle that sells it and then he'll bring him like a little bit of the profit. And he doesn't even do it for that. He does it just, you know, for family members that just happen to need, you know, vegetables or Mm -hmm. and also because he likes to do it. He's been farming his whole life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there'll be times where I'll go down to my, you know, my father's and, I can pick up, you know, uh, turnips or, you know, corn, greens, you know, all kinds of things. And and I kind of wish that as a, you know, when I was younger, I paid more attention to the process. I'm learning a little bit more now as an adult. But, you know, I feel like that's that that like you said, that's a pretty good aspect of prepping, because if you're not self-sufficient as many, you know, no matter what you have, eventually it's going to run out if you can't, re- you know, restock your supply on your own. Absolutely. Conceptually, Mm -hmm. farming is easy. In practice, it is not. Exactly. God. (laughs) And then the weather can take it away. You could be doing everything right. And if the season just happens to be too cold, Mm -hmm. then that could 
ruined the whole process for a specific plant. Yep, you're yeah. absolutely right. I was about to say we uh, we tried a little fun little tangent story, but it's still related. We tried growing uh, for for my business. We tried growing um, uh, sunflowers and lavender and some other stuff because we use them as core ingredients. And I'll go ahead and tell you, like we all we did was we divided a small little bit of the land that we had, and it was the smallest little farming square you could imagine uh, to plant anything. And that little tiny square. The amount of work that went into it, I was just immediately super respectful of anyone who does it for a living because the amount of work that went into that, not only that, the little bit that did grow because I didn't really know what I was doing, the little bit that did grow because we live out where we do, uh, deer took advantage of that. And when we had anything that did grow, which was the sunflowers in this case, they consumed every single bit of it. We didn't get to keep anything that we tried to grow because uh, it was all lost to, to just nature, um, my inexperience. <laughs> And, uh, and it was just, it, it, it was just an amazing experience to have also a frustrating one, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, definitely a lot of work that goes into it. Definitely makes you respect them. Cause my dad, when I was younger, I was just like, why is he doing this boring? And as I got older, I realized not only is this functional, but it's also a lot harder than it looks. And he's mm-hmm. been, I said, now he has a complete different job, but he'll still he'll go to work, come home. And, you know, he's doing something in the yard before he sits down. And even on the weekend, Saturday, like, you know, uh, Sunday should be his only day off. He would go out there on Sundays. He'd cut grass. He'd go out there in the yard. You know, he would uh, check on his plants. He'd water things. He's, you know, picking He's picking weeds out. You know, it's just everything. He's, you know, making sure animals – He had, animals get into his stuff, but he has so much of it that he just kind of has to regulate. You know, like when he's around, he'll, you know, sh- shoo them off, but – it's a lot of work and like you said even the soil that you have makes a difference in how things grow yep absolutely and i'm gonna dip in a tangent real quick and you can cut this breaking news in the group chat okay but so yeah i will agree i think a lot of people don't realize that they do things that are considered preparedness because a lot of people's perception of preppers has to be this overwhelming, like, I gotta have, like, an entire, like, warehouse of food and water. I gotta have hundreds of gallons. I gotta have this cabin in the woods that nobody else knows about, or this big bunker, you know, hidden on my property right. somewhere. And I mean, really, <laughs> some some preppers do have those things, but... Honestly, I've always subscribed to the idea that if there was anything severe enough that I had to have like five years worth of water or that much food in a bunker, probably sitting underground to live out the rest of my next five years of my life probably isn't well worth living. Um, so I focus on more tangible, uh, I guess what you would consider interruption to standard of living mm-hmm. that I'm used to events rather right. than what some people would consider world-ending or apocalyptic events. An apocalyptic event. An apocalyptic event, you're that's the whole world is uprooted. There's yeah. there, there's gonna be major issues. But I do prepare for a change in my standard of living because I enjoy my standard of living. I could live below the means that I do now, but I would but why? prefer I would prefer <laughs> to not be turned back to third world country after some kind of insane event occurring overnight i'd rather have a 
a period in which I had buffer to prepare myself to learn whatever I needed to learn to get myself through the new phase of my life because of how society is in that moment. And maybe things go back to the way they were, maybe they don't. A lot of people subscribe to the theory that we're reaching the limits of our fossil fuel resources on the planet. And if we run out of fossil fuels, I don't think you guys know it, but we're all mm-hmm. going to have a really fun time. Mm-hmm. Well, and mm-hmm. to, well, and to go off, like, not necessarily preparing for an apocalyptic event, but just having those resources uh, to uh, like available to you or your family. Again, to go off that example of the eggs that have been shared like with my family this year, my sister... Her and her husband, I mean, they've spent countless, uh, just the amount of money they spent on groceries just puts whatever I spent on groceries to complete shame. And I'm just like, oh man, I can't, I could not be, I could not afford, excuse me, I could not afford that. So whenever they were being given like a lot of free eggs, my, my sister was damn near crying because for them that saved them. I mean, it was just, it was a little bit of money, but they really needed that because they're running out of savings. They're running, I mean, it's, they're struggling. So that little bit to help has re I mean has just done wonders for them and it's not just that now it's you know it's more than just eggs for them but it really does help them in these times of need um and it's just wonderful to have uh, if you can a lot of work that goes into it a lot of knowledge oh dude yes yeah it's don't they make so much money no 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 since my brother-in-law had to change jobs no oh he's not a professor anymore no he he's still he's still a teacher but he lost a lot whenever he uh uh, he wasn't working with the college anymore. Ah, I got. Yeah, and they weren't able to uh, really adjust as well for that that job change. I got you. Well, yeah, that's very much, um, you know, a change in your standard of living doesn't even have to be like social unrest and economic collapse, severe inflation. It could be as little as an unexpected job loss, a mm-hmm. the breadwinner of a family passing away unexpectedly, things like that. I mean, you know. If you live in a in a family unit where you're in your 20s, but you still live with your parents and I don't know, your father or mother earns the majority of the income for the family and they unexpectedly pass. And then suddenly financially, the there's more hardship on the family. Almost anything like that could really put you in a situation where it would be beneficial to have learned some additional skills or take things into your own hand or have a small stockpile of even food, water, medicine, anything. Maybe not necessarily water, but food is definitely expensive as it is. Maybe even like producing small amounts of your own electricity, things like that. Yeah, I was going to say something about that where uh, how you said that when uh, people prep, they'll get, you know, like years and years worth of, you know, inventory. And I was going to say at a certain point versus, you know, like it's almost like you could have looked into the you could have looked into the aspect of you know having your own like you know water filtration or something like that so that way you don't have 30 million gallons oh yeah taking up space where where you could have something else or you know just it would be cheaper to find a way to you know to filter your own water versus doing Mm -hmm. all of that like you you know and you eventually run out so you literally learned my secret just in conversation (laughs) i don't store water i store water Mm -hmm. filtration Right. Well, water is heavy and bulky. It takes up space. Yep. Filtration Absolutely. systems are small. They do not take up space. And Absolutely. one little tiny filtration system can filter up to 100,000 gallons. Well, That's and see, way easier than trying to store 100,000 gallons. Well, and see, this and is... Whole, oh, it, no, it absolutely is. Um, but see, this is why I love uh, like this topic in particular. It's not necessarily about the, 
the quantity of things that you store, whether that's that's food, water, what have you. It's actually the skills that you can learn and pick up that, I mean, maybe aren't things you're going to apply on a daily basis, but it's things you're going to carry with you for life. It's things that you can depend on when things do go wrong or, or if they go wrong. And maybe that will make you a little more accepting to whatever change that is that, that caused that. But to me, it's the skills aspect that I find uh, incredibly appealing because those are worth so much more uh, than just mm-hmm. storing a whole bunch of stuff. Skills are more important. Skills are more important than anything you could stockpile because skills take up absolutely zero weight. Yep. You don't have to carry it. And skills are more invaluable in most cases than almost any physical resource you could imagine. I mean, don't get me wrong. Tools and things help. Like, you know, obviously you're not going to go chop down a tree without an axe. But, you know, there's proper ways to cut down a tree. That mm-hmm. Some people don't know that. You don't just walk out there and start hitting it with an axe. That's a mm-hmm. bad idea. You'll probably be successful a couple of times, but there's going to be one time when you're not paying attention to the fact that the top of that tree is not appropriately weighted, and you think you're cutting it down one way, and it doesn't, and it goes the other way. Right into the house. Yeah, right into the house, or anything like that. Like there, There's knowledge that goes associated with almost every aspect of life, and some of them are forgotten arts for most people that were kind of common knowledge back in the day to tie back to the first episode, Society Evolving Too Quickly, but um, really, I know Dustin has a lot to talk about with me on this because I brought Dustin into the preparedness mindset back in the early 2010s. Uh, 2010s. Um, we actually co-authored a I was actually just about, book. Yeah, I was actually just about to bring that up. No, it was a book. You know, we, we got to give ourselves credit. I was uh, this wasn't a wonderful book there by any a, means. There was a proof copy. I'll give yep. you that. No, but there, it there did was not a, make it to store shelves. It so did an almost not. book. So, but 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 basically, that experience though was an amazing one to have because what the approach that we took. So we were trying to. Uh, write a book, and we did, and we did write a book, like Sean said, just didn't make it to store shelves. But um, the idea that we took was we were just trying to approach it from the people that we were at the time, which were people who really didn't know that much about it. Sean was definitely diving into it; I was brand new to it, and so we did some very basic experiments. I think we did half a year of testing, Sean, if my memory serves. Mm-hmm. Six months. Yeah, so six months of testing, so we actually could back up what we were trying to write, um, and it was fascinating. It was also very humbling because we had some very basic stuff, um, like we tasted MREs and stuff like that to to just kind of get the experience of of tasting that. And Anthony, I want to get onto that with you in a little bit because I know we both know you have a lot of experience with that being former military. And yes, I did. we did simple stuff like uh, I can't remember why we did like distance testing, but we like wore color like certain colors of clothing to kind of see what was hard, what was hard to notice. But the big thing that I know that a test that we did that was incredibly humbling was just making a shelter. If you didn't have for whatever reason, let's say you were forced out of your home or wherever you were, let's just say something happened and things were devastated. Obviously, this leans on a more like an apocalyptic standard, but let's just imagine you're out there in the wilderness and whatnot. What do well, you do? And the only thing we had was one axe. Well, it wasn't even an axe. It was a hatchet. Yep. A hatchet, a machete, and rope. And that was all we had. That was, that was it. That was it. And we spent the entire night well into the morning building this uh, shelter. Now, granted, I can at least happily say it was well used. Sean and I built it, and it lasted for years. 
Um, and uh, my family member, my cousin, was a hunter, or is a hunter. He used it as a hunting blind for years. We didn't build it for that purpose. We were just trying to see how difficult it would be to build a shelter that two people could sleep in and that was protected to a degree by the elements. And to lead into that, we also did a test discovering how hard it was to make a fire with very limited tools. And uh, I know we all three, we've discussed this before, but when Sean and I were doing that, Sean was clearly the most successful (laughs) at that. And I struggled immensely. Like I could not believe fire how make hard. you realize how yes. much you don't know about fire yes <laughs> and i i left that experience going holy crap this quote-unquote simple if, task if i didn't have a lighter i Boy. couldn't do this exactly a yeah lot of people think fire is so easy it is you take the not. lighter away and it is not <laughs> it's a whole nother ball game but uh but i mean to get onto some of the stuff you do story now I, we just brought up mres and stuff like that so like Anthony, I, I'm just curious just whether it's to, to be funny or not. Like your experience mm-hmm. with with MREs, like why they were real, why they were so important. Now, obviously, in a, a in a military um, environment, they're mainly used because you don't know when you're going to get a meal. Correct. Or you're going to be out on uh, whatever assignment. Uh, but please go. Absolutely. Into that. Like it, absolutely. Like if you have to go on a patrol or something of that nature, you know, it could uh, you could be out for days at a time sometimes. You know, uh, also, sometimes, if you know, if you're in country and the supply gets cut off for some reason, then you you have to rely on that. So it's really good because they're, uh, again, going into efficiency. I think efficiency might be one of my favorite words. Mm-hmm. There's enough calories in a single MRE for a day. So are you going to eat one in a day if you have a lot? Probably not. But if it came down to it, your body will have enough fuel from one MRE to you know to last you in an active day you will not be full but it will give you the calories right yeah you'll still be feeling it you know in your stomach but yeah so and they're not necessarily the tastiest but (laughs) again you know like everything in that box you have something in there that can heat heat it up you know you have something in there that can flavor your water you know it's it's things that they're that are in there there and some of them even come with little uh like little gadgets to filter water also. That's really good. In case you need to get more water. So I do feel like, you know, as much as they're not my favorite thing to eat, I, it, it was an experience having to eat them because, you know, I had 30 days in uh, combat training and we went out and to Camp Geiger, the uh, Marine Corps combat training area. And there are, uh, like I said, it's 30 days of eating MREs and being out in the wilderness and these little tin cans, they called, uh, I'm not sure I remember what they call them now, but they were basically tin cans that was left being on cots to simulate being overseas. And, you know, they, they even gave them to us and rationed them like every week or every so often they'd give us some and be like, okay, this is your supply for these days. And it made you think, you know, and it was enough for us to have three a day or two a day, depending on, you know, the shipment, but it, it, it taught you a lot about rationing your food and, you know, even bartering because <laughs> people would trade and, you know, and, you know, that's what's going to come down to. We end up losing out on a lot yeah. of supplies. We're going to have to barter. Well, see, and I'm glad you brought that up, by the way, because like I was going to bring up. So one of the things that Sean and I did test when we were researching the book is we definitely ate a stack of MREs. And I will uh, tell you that they tasted better than the freeze dried food. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Um, and I think it was the chili mac, right, Sean, that you were just 
You absolutely mm-hmm. loved. Yeah, I was about to say, and you too, Anthony. Favorite MRE flavor, and I have been told from a lot of my military friends that it is a common opinion. That see, that's that's awesome because you were bringing up bartering and trade, Anthony. I could just see it right now. It's like, hey man, who has that chili mac? <laughs> I'll give you some we stuff for, that. for that chili you know, mac. Another we supporting detail. That. I have a lot of Air Nat Guard and a lot of people from Hunter Army come in all mm-hmm. the time. And so I put Chili Mac on the menu a while ago just to see. And let me tell you, every time I never sold Chili Mac ever. Unless soldiers <laughs> I didn't know it was a real in. dish. Right. <laughs> yeah, sol- soldiers came in and they looked at it and they were like, I, I want it. <laughs> I love yeah, it. It's, it's Veggie Mac. And what's crazy is there's some people that hate it. There was a, a female Marine that I knew. And when I said something about Chili Mac, she said, if you eat Chili Mac, you probably eat dog food. I was like, how dare you? I was about to say, that was fine words. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, well, so if, if anyone's listening and you're looking to stock up on stuff and, and you land on MREs or something like that, Honestly, uh, you know what flavor to go with. <laughs> Honestly, though, Chili Mac is really just glorified beefaroni, if we're being honest, with a little bit of spice and kick to it. That's See, really my take on say it. Say what you want. Delicious. Good. Um, good. well, uh, so honestly, so bringing that up, here's what I'm, since we're on the topic of preparedness, something I've noticed, and that is if I go back to 2010s, now granted, not saying I was actively searching, um, like I have like in the past, especially when I was doing a podcast, I find myself researching a whole bunch of topics that, um, I either haven't thought of in a while or, or in some cases didn't think of at all, but I know, or at least from my experience back then, there wasn't nearly as many options available. And I know with time, when things get more popular, there's a trend or even a subtrend. You know, you'll have companies and things like that take advantage of it. However, if you look at food, you know, food that has been tried to tried to be prepared in the way it would stay delicious for a long period of time and have that strong shelf life, there are a lot more options today. And I see it even on popular YouTube channels and YouTubers trying all this stuff. People who have tens of millions of followers. And they'll do this little uh, ranking contest when five, ten years ago I wouldn't have really seen those things. So do you think preparedness has just become a, a fair, or at least to some degree, um, Sean, a lot more popular? I, I don't know if it's become more popular. I will say that the stigma surrounding it seems to has, uh, excuse me, seems to have dissolved with all of the recent global events. I can definitely speak on that too. So you know me, I'm the uh, resident uh, black culture expert. <laughs> All the listeners don't get mad at them. They didn't make me say that. I said that bullshit on my own. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so even in the black community, you know, like we don't necessarily like a lot. There weren't people that did prepping. You know, I mean, there were like the older people, like my dad, who, you know, he just always like having his own. But generally, you know, like the younger crowd, they didn't really believe in that, and now after COVID, you know, and all, a lot of the other events have been happening recently, you know, shortages on supplies. Now there are people that are, you know, grouping together, you know, families, and they're saying that, you know, they're, they're basically preaching that you should get together with your family and, you know, buy land and become prepared mm-hmm. so you don't have to be relying on the government or, apply. you know, the supply chain. Buy that land. Sorry to cut mm-hmm. you off, but something important. You if you do manage to buy land, apply for that land as a homestead and it reduces your property tax. Nice. Nice. Yeah, that's good info. Yeah. Right. I'm gonna definitely have to make sure I, you know, look into that because I didn't know that. Yeah. But, uh, uh, okay. My bad. That, that's something that like from way back in the day. And that's just, it's still, it's still in effect to this day back in when 
you know, when people moved out west and they their their property was their life. Like they didn't they de- some people had market capabilities, but people were poor back in the 1700s. I mean, you you didn't go buy all your shit at the Walmart. Didn't exist yet. You know, you had the general stores and whatnot, but most people grew their own crops in small gardens or they raised livestock and then they just bartered and traded with each other in the meantime while they were waiting for their crops to pick up or whatever uh, they didn't have and somebody else did, etc. Absolutely. Well, and, yeah, and that's okay. I'm so, no, I'm sorry, Anthony. I wasn't trying to cut you off, but very good. Well, I was, I was gonna say that was a bit. Oh. No, sorry, man. You go, you. Ahead, you go ahead. You go ahead. I was just uh, gonna say that the community aspect, uh, just from you talking about that, I think that's uh, just super important. Uh, whether it's your family or it's a close uh, group of friends that people close that friends, that, right. that have become family, basically. I mean, the more you can rely on yourself or some people that you truly trust around you, um, that's that's a good thing uh, to to know those people exist. And to uh, to kind of be on that same line of thinking, you and you know, we'd like to see if we can depend on each other a, a little bit more because it's always nice knowing that you can go to your. I'm going to use the example as going to your neighbor um, versus mm-hmm. having to go to our, you know, your government uh, for that, right. that that assistance. It's it's always a pro to be able to just go to your neighbor. Um, obviously, Absolutely. that family, friends, or or what have you. So I think that's a wonderful, uh, wonderful like evolution as you're talking about. Um, Anthony, since this stuff has happened, that more community coming together. Right. And then it, it, that was that's one big thing to where uh, I don't know if it was a product of, you know, coming out of slavery that kind of had people want like, you know, black people want to be on their own or not necessarily like it's, it's almost like it had polar opposite effects on certain groups. There are some people that, you know, just like we're all we have. Let's stick together. And then there's some people like, you know, well, it's every man for himself. I got to watch out for me because they don't want the liability of having somebody else with them. But I've also seen, you know, like outside of, you know, the black community where there were groups just in general, you know, not necessarily color based that were, you know, they assign roles. So you might have, you know, guys that know how to hunt. You might have guys that know how to farm. And then, you know, they're like, it's just like they like, you know, people that held on to certain supply or a certain Past for if something catastrophic were to happen, mm-hmm. you know, and I cannot remember the group name to save my life, but I do remember while I was working at Gulfstream, I ran into a guy at the gym who used to tell us about that, and he lived and died by that. He was ready. If it was, you know, if something came, you know, if something arose, they met at a certain point, they would, you know, they did like monthly training and had meetings and stuff. Like it was pretty intense. Which Sean, you I have wonder, a similar experience that you I can. I wonder if can, I know him. Yeah, I was about to say because I mean there there was that time to where, and I think y'all were focused more on the education aspect of a lot of it, Sean, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. And it was just uh, to be to have those skills more accessible to you, or at least at the very least have the knowledge so you can start implementing that Honestly, um, in, in your life to some we degree. We still are. Yeah, we still are. It's just our problem is is that we have had a hard time finding people that are committed to giving the time to learn the skills or to communicate and trade mm-hmm. skills. Like, there's a lot of people that say they want to do it and then never make time to do it. Yeah. And, I mean, there's a difference between not making time to do it and can't make time to do it. Time to do it, yeah. But, you know, like, if, like, we were pretty lenient. Like, we'd give, like, two months notice or, like, we'd have, like, a schedule. Like, it was going to be every second Sunday or whatever of the month. So, like, you knew when it was coming up so you could plan around it. But just people still wouldn't make it, like, Mm -hmm. six weekends in a row. 
Like, <laughs> oh, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say. Some yeah. of us also, we also had busy lives, or some of us had a lot of kids, and we could make it to like every one or every other, just because obviously it's so laid in stone that mm-hmm. we uh we just stopped. We gave up on trying to bring other people into the group, and now there's like maybe just five or six of us, which is not necessarily enough outside of our families, mm-hmm. but. You know, we each have our own unique skill set. Um, I've been learning medical skills. Um, I have sanitation and food safety skills because of my career path. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other guys have welding and construction and all other kind of specialized skill sets that I don't possess. Uh, one of them knows how to grow food and raise livestock. I don't. I know how to grow food, but I just I'm not that good at it. And um, see, and see, still again, just that that community aspect of it. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, you're well, good. Well, and I uh, and I know like uh, um, like with Ant- when Anthony was going on like about family and everything else, like with his dad being a farmer, like as far as my family's concerned, you know, uh, we have a lot of hunters in our family. My cousin in particular is someone who's just very active in that lifestyle, and every single time, like every single season, and uh, with us currently being in a season, actually, I have no doubt that we're about to receive a whole bunch of of deer meat uh, and several different forms, but he does it every single year. You know, he hunts, he gets his kills, he cleans, he knows how to butcher. He he's developed those skills over a lifetime, and he always shares it with the whole family. Hey man, hey, you just let me know. Uh, we'll have plenty. We all we always do. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's definitely just valuable skills to have, and I'm glad because it does seem like um, a lot of that stigma is gone. Because I remember Doomsday Preppers when it was in its its height, and when uh, I was a, a little, a good bit younger too, and world's concern, the world uh, concerns didn't or so concern didn't, you at all. Yeah, it didn't really concern me, and like I looked at that, and I, I mean, because I definitely was one of those individuals who looked at people who were uh, maybe overly prepared, and I have no doubt that, as you've mentioned, Sean, there are definitely some of those examples out there to where it's a little bit extreme. But I remember I carried that with me to any form of it, and I'm just like, why, 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 why a whole bunch of whys? But honestly, I was really fortunate um, because I, I was in a family that. We, again, had fresh produce, had eggs, uh, had a hunter who we always had meat and things like that. So, But if I go to another family, they probably have might not have any of those experiences or things so easily accessible, and it's a completely different uh, type of life and different thoughts behind it. So I am happy to hear that the stigma seems to have been removed. Um, well, then I have a curious question. If you yeah. really didn't understand how everything... Was it just talking to me that kind of made you see more sense, or you just were like... Let me try it and see if I believe in it. Talking with you, and honestly, and again, this is the reason why I hold that the book that we had done to so much uh, success. Again, didn't make it to shelves and didn't like sell or anything like that, but it was the learning experience that went with it. It put a lot of things into perspective, and I find my perspective growing um, a lot more these days because I, I actively kind of seek out my comfort zone to kind of figure some stuff out and and to listen to listen to people a lot more often. Um and that, yeah, that, that just brought a lot of things into perspective for me. Um, and it made me uh, look at it in a completely different light. Um, and now I see it as uh, just a wonderful form of, of not just self-reliance, but um, just uh, something healthy to have in your life. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. I think when I used to look at it as, when I was young, I thought it was, the concept was cool. I mm-hmm. thought it was actually really cool. I just, you know, once... I came into adulthood, you know, joining the military and stuff. I kind of, I guess I, I lost sight of a lot of things that I thought was 
that I had interest in when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had to re-come into myself as an adult to see, you know, what still kind of applied, what didn't. Well, you know, I had a whole life shift. But now it's like I, I still feel as though the concept of it is amazing. It's mm-hmm. a great idea. I just haven't ever, you know, I haven't started my journey yet with Technically, you were enlisted in like the ultimate preparedness community ever. There's a whole <laughs> logistics division. They have that like ungodly amounts of ammunition, food, water purification shit on standby. They right. put they you out in the woods and give you training. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you basically crazy. went through like true. a crash course of like the ultimate survival training, but. <laughs> it's like if they took a college course and shrunk it down into four months. <laughs> basically boot camp and combat training together right yeah. there and i mean really i just think that that's that a lot of people don't realize that it's kind of very normal actually to prepare i mean even literally it is as simple as going to the grocery store getting your weekly groceries and then whatever you buy and you use weekly or frequently that you enjoy to eat just buying a little extra and you know in case not perishables yeah, non-perishables. In case things jump price-wise and things like that, maybe you're like, oh man, why did corn go up 50 cent a can this week? And then you don't buy it because you've got some at the house. Or I have definitely know. done that, by the way. I have looked at my pantry, and because I bought a little bit extra, and I would look at my like where my pay was, where the prices were, I said, you know what? I have enough to, I can eat for the next week. Uh, I'll just go through some of the stuff that I have, and then I'll buy groceries whenever I get paid again. Or something right. like that. Just because I had that little bit of extra, yep. Mm-hmm. Well, thank God I had this because this yep. money could go somewhere else this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of like right. that, that's kind of like the very basic like idea of prepping. It's just very short term. Some of us prepare for the medium long term. Some people prepare for. I assume they're trying to outlast the sun, but mm-hmm. you know, it to each their own. And for whatever reason, there's a whole cavalcade of reasons to get into it. Like I said, I just prepare for an interruption to my standard of living, and I try to bring as many people into that mindset as possible, because technically, and I think almost everyone in this country, I mean, at least a good percentage of us anyway, could pretty much agree that our standard of living has changed since COVID, and probably will continue to change as inflation and everything else arises. Things are going to get hard, they're talking about a potential recession, things like that. And these are all things that our grandparents did during the original Great Depression, Great Recession, things that were normalized in the 60s and 70s during the uh, Cold War. A lot of preparedness things seem to come and go in social acceptability. They seem to be uh, popular and accepted during times of hardship, and then when things are okay, certain groups of people seem to forget about the hard times. And, you know, as far as the human race has gone, being how we've developed as really the species, really just storing and living our lives to get through to the next set of good times through hard times, like which would have probably been winter, I assume, for people back in the olden days before modern heating and electricity. Winter was probably one of the number number one killers of people. They spent the whole summer and spring and fall preparing to get through their winter. Well, so really, preparedness is like a common idea. So something, you know, if you're a listener and you're, and you're in the U.S., depending on, on what part of the U.S., you actually, uh, Sean, you just touched on something very interesting, heating, electricity. 
uh, what was it? Uh, was it California? Um, what was it a few months back? I'm not sure if they're still if it's still being done now necessarily, but they were really controlling where electricity was being dispersed and yes. maybe some people. Yeah, exactly. So, yep. you know, you they can do the same thing with water years ago, too. That Yeah. So, I mean, you can definitely just look at very recent examples to where the entire when you, continent of Europe. Yeah. So, I mean, just it, yeah, I, I was about to say I was thinking about the uh, uh, just for how of uh, much of a, a blistering heat like this past uh, summer was uh, looking towards like the UK and things like that and and kind of things that they were dealing with that they almost were no, they're shocked. currently dealing with it's winter and their gas yeah. supplies are shortage or short, so they're telling people that they can't set their thermostats below a certain temperature and things to uh, reduce electricity consumption i got you well i was just thinking of the um uh for finding out the the percentage like obviously like you know we're familiar with that type of air conditioning uh but i actually didn't know until this year because i saw it on so many different whether it was facebook or uh, overhearing it on the news or uh, a podcast had mentioned it basically how few homes even have access to uh to ac uh over in europe um to where it's not it's not like we think of just having quick access to air conditioning. Well, yeah, no, they have heat, but they don't have AC. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think I think the like the percentage of homes that had it over there were like as low as three percent. It, it was, I think, oh, <laughs> it was crazy. No, 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 no. It was just that was just a stunning statistic. But go ahead, Anthony. I think uh, I'm gonna bring back uh, one of my analogies from the first episode. Uh, you remember the Kobe Bryant? I was talking about how uh, people. You know, people look at Kobe and they see some of the amazing skills he has and don't realize how crazy his fundamentals were. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, as a society, we got away from the fundamentals yep. because things are so upgraded now. Like we, you know, people will get prepared. And there, I would say yeah, there are people that will get prepared and they'll, they'll have all this technology and to them that's being prepared because they have something to do everything. But it's like... But the moment you, know, you eventually lose it. power is not going to work right. Something's not going to be right. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to use that. So yeah, you know, fundamentally they're they're all off balance. Well, yeah, and and like uh, again, like working backward is one thing, but to work backward, typically, you know, if you if you lost access to something that did make things easier, you have to have that knowledge of what backwards even was. So what what was the uh, the very base form of whatever it is you're trying to accomplish or, or do. Absolutely. And if you have no knowledge of that, I mean, you're really going to struggle. Um, mm-hmm. And a struggle that could have been avoided with, um, while you did have access to, let's say, technology, like in your case, a little bit of research, taking advantage of a little bit of that research, maybe applying it in some free time. So if you didn't have mm-hmm. that sudden like click of a button access, you still knew a little bit about what to do and you were in a better spot than you would have been you know, without it. Right. Even if it's looking at, you know, like you said, looking where you came from, looking at some of the older forms of technology that, you know, for something that you might be using. Yep. You know, that's a great way because, you know, before we had a lot of the power tools, we had hand tools that were just, you know, they were crude. You had to crank something or you had to smash something to get it to work. You might have to use a fire, you know, whatever the case may be, there were methods to do things before the electricity and you know, you master those, you you are forced to be reckoned with. You know, the power grid goes up, Lord forbid. But yep, you know, no, you're again, right. You know, mastering those, mastering that craft. They're kind of wrapping it. I feel like this is going full circle now. Ma- you know, mastering the craft and being ready, having the supplies to do so. Is you know, it's not really anything that you're going to be worried about. I was going to say missing out on. You're going to miss out on a lot. Yeah, but you're not no. going to necessarily be as worried. 
Yeah. I chose the first podcast episode because it correlated to prepping. So much. But it yeah. was just kind of <laughs> hidden. It was hidden in the shadows, but now well, you're it has it has been yeah, found. <laughs> now, yes, my <laughs> master plan has been revealed. <laughs> Sean, the evil uh, mastermind no, of the podcast. I've added no for a fact, but I did see the you know the the similarities. Subject. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, absolutely. But like shit, I I don't know how to do things with manual hand tools, and if we don't have access to electricity like that, I have uh, solar panels and uh, basically what's called a solar generator, which is essentially mm-hmm. just a oversized battery mm-hmm. pack so i could charge um my dewalt uh battery operated tools i mean i've got saws drills you know all kinds of things i could do minor or medium construction projects that probably take me a while to do bigger ones but i could do small like yard yard work construction right. things like that if i needed to without you know difficulty of manual saws and things like that so well at know. the at the risk of sounding like an idiot on to anthony was saying as far as like tools and <laughs> and you sean um, I can go over every single time I feel uh, my uncle who lives directly next door, uh, Timothy's dad, uh, he will always make me feel a little bit like an idiot because not, not, not meaning to, but if I'm over there and he's working on a car, he's been a mechanic pretty much all of his life. Um, he'll ask me to, uh, cause he has access to these newer tools, but a lot of cases he just won't use them, but it was just a simple car jack. That's all it was. But he just wanted me to get this very old, different just very old jack uh for his car and i looked at it and it was just like the most complicated little science problem for me i was like i don't know how to operate this thing i looked at it and he just looked at me and laughed and he's like all right and he, he quickly showed me how to use it and i was like okay that makes a lot more sense but it just again it was just an old very very old style of a jack it was easily uh, at least 60 years old <laughs> and it, i mean it still worked like a charm but he just always uses it. it worked dude it worked yeah. just fine like the, it, the way it's the old the old devices they dude, will last the way it's the way its mechanics were was just so different than anything i'd ever seen before hell i barely recognized it was a jack at all he had to i had to put my hands on it he'd shake his head yeah that, that, that's what it is oh okay <laughs> and i'm like okay so I, got, I got the right thing um but Back yeah then they overbuilt that stuff <laughs> no, dude, they did. They're just like, yep, this will work forever. This will outlast mm-hmm. you. Um, and yeah, like no, absolutely. No, that's that's actually hey, that too actually accurate. ties in because a big thing in the preparedness community is a lot of things that are modern, especially not those older technologies, they break. So you might have ever heard me say the uh, expression uh, two is one, one is none. And basically, what that means is just that you really need to have some kind of backup to things that you have, especially if you rely on them heavily. Uh, that could be anything, like, uh, how many, like, screwdrivers do you have in your house? You know, you lose one, it's okay, I got another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, kitchen knives, you know, anything, any tool or anything like that, Ooh. it's always good to have backups or have varying quality levels for various especially, tasks. Especially if you have kids that like to fuck shit up. That's definitely <laughs> good yeah. to have more than one. Uh, you know, I was just like, you're not but, uh, wrong on that. Um, well, Sean, there questions that we have. Yeah. About? Yeah. Actually, I want, I want to challenge you a little bit to give us some examples of if there are negatives that come to your mind, aside from the financial aspect, I think we can all agree that, yeah, going through the effort of, of preparedness to a degree. Um, yeah, I mean, money's going to have to come with that, to whether that's gain access to some of the knowledge you might need to, or definitely on the supply category, Sean, I don't even want to ask you how much you've spent in preparedness i don't even want to calculate how much i've spent okay um, um but aside you're, the, you're talking over a decade yeah so well, but aside at a lot of money absolutely well aside from the financial aspect can you th- 
really think, trying to step out your box of preparedness, of reasons why you shouldn't do it. I mean, obviously, with the name preparedness, there really shouldn't be, because I don't, I don't think there's a negative thing with being prepared, but yeah, go ahead. I don't feel like I have reasons that you shouldn't do it, but I do have reasons or things that seem to be negative aspects of prepping. And these are things that could just affect me directly. They, I mean, I'm sure they affect other people, but the majority of people who prepare might not feel this way. Um, you find yourself looking at situations differently when you have the mindset of preparing for things. So when something happens on the news and other people look at it and are like, oh, that sucks. Uh, for an example, uh, I think you guys will remember a few months ago, probably in the middle of the summertime, uh, they had the uh, bird flu uh, spread. Yeah, they, and they uh, had this avian influenza. Influenza. Yep, I caught yeah, it actually. And they had to kill. You caught bird flu. Was it? Was it uh, bird flu we got? Well, I mean, there was bird flu going around. There's also influenza going around for the last few months. But the one I'm talking about was uh, bird flu that they had to kill a lot of chickens and turkeys at a big poultry plant somewhere yeah. here in America. Yeah, I actually and have. I, we probably got it from our chicken. <laughs> I, yeah. I saw that. And being a business owner and a preparedness-minded mm -hmm. person, I was like, well, shit, that's going to make the cost of poultry go up mm -hmm. and a bunch of and other, like, a bunch of other snowball effects from that. So, you know... Things that you might not perceive when learning or finding out about current events around you hit you differently when you have that kind of mindset. And sometimes if you're not prepared or if you haven't been doing it for a while, especially in the current time, it can be a little overwhelming with negativity at times because everything around you seems like it's going you're so thinking wrong, of the worry. Mm -hmm. or it's so right. uncertain, but... At the end of the day, there are some things that are out of your control and some things that are in your control. And really, the only thing that you can do is focus on what's in your control and do the best you can to handle what isn't in your control. That's right. And Sean, to go off that, by the way, I have firsthand uh, knowledge from a business owner friend of mine here in Statesboro. She specialized this past Thanksgiving on trying to give uh, Thanksgiving dinners. But because of what happened and the amount of turkeys that were lost... Um, it actually turned out that a lot of the turkeys that people uh, were able to purchase this year were, believe it or not, um, last year's. And uh, as far as that. as far as fresh turkeys, the I mean, I wish she gave me the actual numbers, the price per pound, and I wish I had it uh, in front of me. I don't, unfortunately, but it was more than four it times. It was more than four times the price of this year's, like a recent turkey, versus what most people ended up getting, which was last year's. Uh, turkey. That's how my, that's how many turkeys were lost this year. It was it was devastating. You know, the other insane thing about that is to think that they still raise so many turkeys to yep. put out for holiday season yep. when they had leftovers La from last year's holiday season mm -hmm. sitting on ice somewhere. Mm -hmm. But that affected our price point that much is kind of insane. Absolutely, but it I mean it rides onto the theme of what we're talking about today. But no. To your point, because uh, we're getting to the end of uh, the episode, and focusing on yourself, what you can control, um, and this goes to a lot more than just preparedness, but I definitely feel like that's the probably the best advice or uh, the best information that we can give. Um, if it's something that you can do, if it's something that you can work on, and uh, I, I mean, realistically, um, if the answer can be solved by looking at you first, and if and if you can't solve it, uh, hopefully, you know, a family member can or a friend can, but 
definitely look at you first and see what you can control, see what you can learn. Um, that's going to take you far. Uh, or at the very least, it's going to provide that level of security that you will uh, be really grateful for should the time come. Anthony, do you have I have a question? question. How about okay. the, I have a question before we go. Uh, so I would say one of the negatives that people do say about uh, prepping would be, like, I would say space. So, you know, some a lot of people don't have the, the yes, amount of space yes. they might feel like they need for storage or, you know, processing, whatever the case may be. What would, your, what would be your solution or your advice to them? So it really depends on what you're preparing for and what you're storing. I've actually seen... <laughs> A lot of really creative um, storage solutions, both um, vicariously through some YouTube people I follow or other people on social media that I follow that are in the preparedness community, and also some friends that I have. Like, fortunately, I have a spare bedroom that I have just turned into a literal grocery store right. and, uh, like, general store. But uh, I've seen people literally, like, like buy bins and fill them and store them underneath their bed. Or if they did, if they had a bed that sat on the floor, they'd get a hollow frame, store things under their bed. I mean, that's there's a lot of space in our houses and homes that we don't typically use. And right. It's kind of odd when you think about it. And I mean, some of it's concealable, some of it's not. But there's a lot of interesting things you can go out there and look for. Um, if you do some Google searches, there's some pretty interesting things online. Um, like I said, I don't store water. Now, I, mm. I have small amounts of water storage. Let me rephrase that. I don't store bulk water uh, in mm. the same Maybe way that you like probably the initial Yeah, like, like some people yeah. buy like whole pallets of bottled water. And if you don't know what a pallet of bottled water is, that's like, I think it's like 30 or 40, 24 packs on a pallet. I mm. have... I have a pump system, and I go by. I have six of the uh, the five gallon water jugs that you get at like Walmart or Lowe's, the big mm -hmm. ones by the front of the store. Yeah, yeah. That right. you use for like water coolers. Water cooler. Yep. I, yeah, I also have a water dispenser, so I mean, I'm I'm buying them anyway. But I have six in my storage room, and I have two out by my water cooler, and I just rotate them. So you know. I don't really even notice that they're there. If I use the two that are on the stand by the water cooler, I put them in my car and I bring two out of the storage room, go buy two more, bring it back. So it never really hit my wallet the same way because I'm only buying two. Once you get the initial purchase in, you're just cycling out and keeping things fresh. But not storing water and storing filtration methods will help immensely. Mm -hmm. uh, packaged food is going to be what packaged food is, but if you're not trying to store massive, massive amounts of water, that helps. There's other things in like times of emergency, like hurricanes and tornadoes, where they make this device that you can put in your bathtub and fill it with tap water, and it basically will hold like whatever the capacity is of your bathtub uh, of drinking water or whatnot that you would need. Little things like that. Um, just look around. Look at parts of your house you're not using unused cabinet space, unused furniture space. I unused mean, attic spaces. It might, it might look a little weird, but like if, if you're that concerned about things, I mean, you know, you do what you got to do to get through. Um, but like I said, I, I try not to go overboard with it uh, because a lot of times people will go and buy a bunch of those things. And mm -hmm. the reason that I'm so intense about rotating is, you know, I work in the restaurant industry. I own my restaurant. So I know that everything has an expiration date. Canned things mm -hmm. don't necessarily expire when their expiration date is. They don't last forever, but 
you know, it, it's still important that you're not trying to eat something during hard times that's expired because, you know, if there's a hurricane outside that's leveled your city and you're eating expired, uh, I don't know, ravioli and you get food poisoning from it, well, now you have two problems. You have a hurricane and your immune system is going to be worse. Poisoning, you can't get to a hospital necessarily. Yep. Mm -hmm. So it's important to keep those things in your mindset that whatever you store, store what you use, store it however it best suits your needs and capabilities, and then make sure you rotate those things out. Right. Like, as you, that's why I said, if you buy things that you're going to eat anyway, you have no problem cycling through them. So this way you never sit on anything too long. All right. Well, I think it's definitely a valuable piece of information. Thanks, Sean. Um, that's, how, that's how I know I asked a good ass question. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was about a to lot say. of information. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I think that's um, that's all we really got. Too much, uh, Sean. Are you? Do you, are there any um, guests that you feel like might be coming up for another part two on preparedness? Yeah, I've got a few people that uh, are in my group that I would like to bring aboard, and anybody that you guys might know. That you might just want to be like, hey, do you want to hear about this? And then bring them on. I'd love to answer any questions. I'm sure my friends would love to answer any questions. And Dustin, you might even be able to answer some smaller questions. Yeah. Anthony, I know you're you're not into the community, but you did have military training. And so a lot of survivalism-related things or logistical things are similar for right, right. your experiences. I mean, I, I know you were aviation, but still, like, <laughs> on base, living is on base. Train. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> so. No, um, I'd love to hear whoever has any other questions uh, and really just what got me into it, what got my friends into it, you know? Well, perfect. I'm trying uh, to find somebody curious enough to come on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was like, same same with me. Um, well, if for anyone who's, who's still curious as far as like how we uh, how we do the podcast, you know, we're always looking to guess because these topics, um, there's always so much to say about them. We definitely want other perspectives. That's not necessarily um, the hosts. And we find that those questions, uh, the answers that comes from those questions, uh, are incredibly valuable to, to you as listeners. So we're definitely going to keep a look, an idea for guests. Every single topic we try to cover, there's always that little to-be-continued part, see if we can uh, we can just have a deeper conversation with those who are either directly opposed to something or supportive and just ask questions and want to know more, therefore you learn more. Um, so we're definitely well, going to be looking out for uh, that next uh, that part two. Well, there can't be unity without you and me, and that was a very off-key pun, but... <laughs> And very cheesy, but thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, guys, uh, that's it for uh, for this episode of the podcast. Uh, for anyone who's listening, thank you so much for taking out uh, time in your day. And, uh, Sean, do you have any resources you can leave our listeners by any chance on some of the platforms we post on? And what are those platforms? Uh, really? We're pretty much trying to get out everywhere we can be. Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Anchor, uh, I think I missed one, but I know I'm trying to work. Facebook. Yeah, I'm trying to work into YouTube integration. Um, we're getting a Facebook page set up so we can interact with the community more and try to bring more people in and out. Perfect. Um, other than all that, I'll link as much as I can in the description of the podcasts. Uh, so hopefully there'll be URL links so you can just on your device tap it and go to some resources that i trust to not be too crazy or outlandish and see how you guys are interested in their content as well as what we do all right well perfect i think it's a perfect way to round it out uh thank you guys for another uh sean and anthony thank you so much for another amazing podcast it's always a joy getting with you uh, with both of you and talking to you 
Uh, oh, so appreciate you, you also. One? What's up, Sean? You said a, another wonderful podcast. You didn't like the first one we recorded? No, 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 no. No, no, no. Lo- love this podcast. Always love spending time with you guys. Um, and, uh, I mean, that's uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah, no, I agree. It's been good. I appreciate the questions. And to anybody interested, we'll see you next time. Much love, y'all. Much Bye. love.